0: Welcome listeners, this week I am joined by Managing Director Rich of Hitmarker Jobs. They are a prevalent and prosperous esports job board covering everything from professional to volunteer positions to collegiate jobs. And they've seen such amazing growth since when I first heard of them and where they are now. And It's interesting to hear about a business in esports as they are growing up with the industry, with the collegiate industry and finding out what it's like to be a utility of esports and being one of the main points of contact for figuring out where people can grow and join in on this amazingly huge and booming industry. So give it a listen and let me know your feedback or any questions or comments that you might have. You can also reach out to at HitMarkerJobs on Twitter if you have any questions or want to check them out at HitMarkerJobs.com. Musical guest this week is Amphalite with their song 2688. Enjoy. right everyone welcome to the summoning hour episode 56 i'm joined by the managing director or ceo of hitmarker jobs today rich hi rich how's it going
1: it's good thanks thank you for having me on and thank you for getting up super early to facilitate our uk time zone
0: absolutely i mean i've done a couple of interviews with some of the college clubs in the uk so i'm perfectly okay making this adjustment just to make everyone else comfortable and make sure I can do what I can to support esports and wherever it's at so and this is a new aspect for me reaching out to a service provider within the esports space so um, thank you for being the first one on in terms of like a business and a a support supporting aspect of esports so rich why don't you do us a little introduction about yourself and your your history your role and how you got involved in esports
1: yeah, that's totally fine, and I appreciate us being the first one. Hopefully, the first of many. Um, so, to talk about my introduction to esports, um, I would say that I would be a latecomer to the scene. I've always been a gamer from being probably about three years old, is when I bought uh, when I was bought my first console, which was a Sega Mega Drive or Genesis, as you guys called it. Um, Sonic One was my first introduction to gaming, and then I think I've been obsessed with it ever since. But my own career path kind of took me away from gaming because way back when I was going through college or university, it was in the early 2000s. There was no kind of esports management degrees out there, no real avenues even for kind of video game design or anything that I could put time towards in terms of a passion. So I did what a lot of people do, went straight to university, straight out of college at 18, studying English, which was just something easy to do because I could do it. I was a good writer. That was where my skills were, Um, all the while gaming on the side. But during this time while I was at university, my younger brother, who is actually the founder of Hitmarker, he has worked in esports since he was about 12 or 13 years old, started out as a designer, which I know a lot of people do, and ended up having his own freelance agency and working with a lot of the bigger names in the scene back in that early 2000 period. And so esports has already been connected to my life from quite an early stage, but I wouldn't say I truly entered the esports industry until November of 2017. So I'm probably just in it for just over 18 months now, officially.
0: Well, that's a good place to be. I mean, you had someone really close to you being able to get you into the scene and be able to introduce you to the community side of it, which... As we both know, the community seems to drive everything, and whether it's growth and interest in a specific game or just straight up how involved someone can actually be, how successful they can be. Because if you're not going to be true and authentic to what these gamers have been fighting for since the early 2000s, really for that authenticity and for that acknowledgement that this is a real competitive aspect. Without that introduction to the community, you're going to be having a hard time finding a way in. Now, what was your actual introduction into esports?
1: Yeah, so to talk a bit more about the history, I I think his story is more interesting than mine. Just unfortunately, he doesn't like doing these sort of public appearances on behalf of the company. So Phil originally founded EU Esports, which was a big community based around uh, European competitive Call of Duty, and I think it did touch upon some other games and things like that. He created the community, built the forum, did all the branding and everything for it, and actually started putting on competitive events here in the UK and being involved in some of the ones around Europe. When he got a little bit older, I think he sold that concept to DeSerto, which then transformed into the Deserto News website that you see today from the forum that it was originally. And it was at that time when he decided to start up his own graphic design slash web development agency because he kind of taught himself how to code and everything while still playing Call of Duty, sort of semi-competitively at the same time as well. So he really grew up in the scene. I remember from when he was super, super young, you would be racing home from school to jump onto SOCOM on the PS2, to play with uh, his clan on there. And I always used to be very, very aware of him being involved in esports and playing in it. I would dabble in it a little bit and he would basically just laugh at me because the skill level was so different, so different from me to him. Um, but because of him having that kind of perennial involvement in the scene, like exactly how you said, I've always been aware that the esports competitive gaming industry was a thing from probably the really early 2000s. And what we find even today as a business, when we go and speak to people who aren't directly involved in the space, it's amazing how many people who might be involved in marketing or sports or even people who work for investment companies who really have no idea that there's a competitive game gaming industry, that it's a global industry and that the revenues are as big as they apparently are. So if I hadn't known about it, then I think exactly what you said, I might have never been involved, but he kind of went through the process of building up his design agency. And he's kind of an entrepreneurial spirit, so along the way he's had numerous different ideas for companies that he could start. So he was involved in the founding of Raven GG, which is one of the bigger UK-based apparel companies. No longer involved in that, but after that, I think he had the idea for the jobs board kind of when he was working for a client in the sports industry building up a website called Jump In Sport, which is just typical sports jobs across like NFL, NBA, MLB, and a lot of European companies as well, and leagues. And he kind of realized that in all his time in esports, he'd never found anywhere where there was a single source of jobs or hiring opportunities. So that's how Hitmarker came to be. I'm guessing we can come back and talk a bit more about that. But he set that up with two of his closest friends from the community. They ran it as a kind of volunteer passion project for about six months. And during this time, he was asking me quite relentlessly, um, I think I've got a really good idea that could turn into a real business here. Um, Would you like to move home and kind of get involved with the running of the day-to-day of the business? So at the time, I was down in London. We're based up here in Newcastle, which is like the northernmost city in in England, um, just below the Scottish border. But I was living and working in London at the time, uh, about 300 miles south um so it was a big decision for me to kind of leave the life that i'd built to that point um but i, I with how well i know phil and how much he told me about the concept and the idea i was pretty convinced that we could make something special although it was going to take time so he eventually convinced me to uproot move back here with my now wife and dog and so we've been working here since november 2017
0: And From what I've seen, Hitmarker as a whole has seen a whole lot more growth and publicity and just utilization across the board, especially with the growth of collegiate esports. I've noticed a ton more jobs since about when I first found out about Hitmarker jobs about eight months or so ago. It just seems like the the listings have really exploded away from just game developer posts who are involved on the esports side to a lot of legitimate not not intern not like unpaid volunteer positions to actual career paths and actual positions like directors of uh, universities
1: yeah i think you're totally right so when i came back in november um the guys had just been working kind of part-time posting like two or three new jobs a day sometimes not posting a job for a few days if they were busy with other things so one of the first things that we did was kind of look at the overall landscape of esports and esports jobs at that time. And even though it was only about 18 months ago, exactly like you said, the majority of listings available online were either volunteer or unpaid internship. But there were just starting to be some really cool esports roles popping up about the bigger companies like Blizzard were always really actively hiring. Riot Games obviously really active in terms of hiring. But we were starting to see startups popping up who were offering something different to the esports scene. So whether it was other design and development agencies like our own, or things involving external bits to the companies like Bitcoin or blockchain, that was becoming quite popular. Um, And in addition to this, the franchising model was sort of just coming into existence as well. So we knew that there was going to be Overwatch League teams with significant investment behind them without any staff or really any concept of how to build out a department or a few departments who are going to need to be hired soon. And Phil was pretty convinced that in the short term that was where the future of esports was going to lie, was that leagues and publishers were going to try the franchise model to make it like we say it's the US sport model here in the UK because our model of sport is very different to what happens over in the US. But with that, we knew that there'd be a lot of investment coming in the scene, a lot of non-endemic money, but that those people would need to hire esports specialists or certainly the ones who wanted to be so successful were going to need to find specialists in the esports industry. Because I think we've already seen recently in the past two months or so, past two or three months, that people coming and investing a lot of money into the scene without necessarily having the right people in the right places within their businesses is, is probably a recipe for disaster still.
0: Oh, yeah. No, there's definitely a lot of people who seem to think that esports is in a bubble right now. And certainly with the amount of endemic and non-endemic investors that you've seen come in, like it's, it's a wonder where all that money is going and how is it being spent and do these people really understand the the consequence of where esports could be at in terms of its overall development. I know that we're seeing more teams and more broadcasting opportunities for esports, but no one's really figured out that model. And yeah. the franchising model is the closest thing that we have to a standard now. Now that we have Overwatch League and League of Legends really doing regional franchising, and then now the Call of Duty League but then just as you said at the beginning of the podcast it's amazing how many people still don't know about esports and yet there's all of this money flooding in so it's interesting to be in that predicament of your brother forecasting oh there's no job board for this kind of thing and it's going to be growing and then you just kind of hop on when the franchising is really starting to kick off as part of a discussion You're like that's a really good position to be in and it yeah. reminds me of, it reminds me of the story of splice splice gaming uh their ceo and founder marty him and his buddy they were trying to figure out a calendar for esports and so they were just trying to make a website that was tracking when esports competitions were going on where they were happening and how people could attend them or how they could watch them and then that's what actually sparked them into owning a team so here you are with a sim another simple simple part of the ecosystem a job board and a simple utility and yet that's going to be a huge factor in the overall growth of eSports.
1: Yeah, funnily enough, the calendar website was something that we kind of worked on internally here when when I first came back, because that was one of the first things that we needed to find out was when our events happen and where are events happen. And, and if there are like significant networking events that we could attend and get value from, when are they going to happen and where will they happen? But As you probably know, and you will know that even in the most organized esports, it tends to be that events are only announced maybe one or two months out. Um, You know that an event is going to happen in, say, August, but you don't know until June where the location of the event is going to be. It can make it very hard for businesses, especially startups like us, to to plan the marketing budget and to pinpoint the events that are going to give value to go to. But you're exactly right. It's just little bits of the ecosystem that are kind of popping up and hopefully bringing a lot of value to the community. I mean, when we started, or even when I came back after the guys had been running it for six months, I was still very aware that we were probably too early into the market in terms of having a viable, legitimate business model. So, as you've probably noticed from your time on Hitmarket, Until very recently, you might have wondered, kind of like, are these guys making any money from the website? How does the website make money? And the short answer is that we didn't make any money out of the website until January of this year. But it was intentional in a way that there were some competitors in the scene who we wanted to kind of eliminate by just working harder and working smarter than they did. Taking market share in terms of companies who use the platform and candidates who sign up with us instead of maybe signing up with a a rival company who might be offering the same service and then the long-term play has always been kind of establish a base build a user base bring value to the community build the brand and then you might get to a point like we are now where you can start doing deals with people where you're able to monetize the website without hurting the user experience or without monetizing the candidates because i don't know if you've done esports job hunting before if you've ever done it recently or in the past but it can be a pretty soul destroying experience from what we hear on on a daily basis from our users.
0: Thankfully, I haven't had to do uh, job hunting as th- this podcast and a lot of my own esports involvement is all volunteer and passion projects at the moment. And so, I haven't had to do that search like real hard. I was always just kind of researching and what those jobs were like, and I definitely have a sense of which ones are more popular and which ones are. I mean, still a lot of that unpaid intern or just volunteer experience and being like okay that's still where the majority of these job postings are but uh yeah no i've heard i've heard stories of people trying to get involved and they go down one path just to be just to have it closed off in front of them like six months after moving and relocating their whole family kind of thing and it's like oh that's that's a little too volatile for me
1: Yeah, it's still a really high risk proposition. So even as we speak here today in the middle of 2019, I still think having an esports only jobs board is probably a bit too early in the cycle because esports itself is such a new industry that it's going to take a few more years before hiring processes become standardized. Um, you'll see a lot of people still just advertising for roles through Twitter or through their network, which is totally fair enough. But most other industries have moved towards a more formal hiring process. And that's kind of where we're hoping to get to on the journey is that we become a really like easy and convenient way for companies to come and advertise roles that we've already got an existing database of very high, highly qualified candidates, which we do have now. But we're getting there. It's a slow process. We know it's going to be a slow process, but just as of now, I think there's less than 10% of roles currently available on the website that are unpaid. Um, so we kind of hover about the 90% mark for paid opportunities now, which is a massive change from when I first started. I think we used to post about 60% unpaid roles back at the beginning. Yeah, so it's really switched. And that's a lot of that's down to us getting a lot smarter with where we go looking, because Not every job you see on the website is posted by the company themselves. We do a lot of aggregation still because becoming the kind of one-stop shop to come if you're looking for an esports job is key to our offering to the community. But it does mean that it's a bit of a grind every single day, seven days a week for 364 days a year, searching all the other available jobs, resources online, compiling all the jobs, moving them to our platform. But doing it that way means that we kind of have have a view into... Every at least every English language job that gets gets posted online, whether it be on Google Jobs or LinkedIn or Indeed or any of the other big jobs websites. But I think that's a big part of why we've been able to transform our offering from being pretty low quality volunteer roles where you might not actually get any career benefit out of giving up your time to do them towards the majority of our unpaid roles now being either unpaid internships at big companies, which personally I don't really vouch for, but they are a thing, particularly in the US still. And I do kind of agree that if you can afford a work unpaid at a serious organization and genuinely learn from skilled people who are in the same kind of role that you want to get into, then that is maybe a valuable way to spend time. But the actual volunteer roles that you mentioned, kind of like the bedroom overalls, I would say they're accounting for about 8% of the total roles now on the website versus 60%. So it has shifted quite dramatically.
0: And that's just a good indicator of growth that there is a healthy ecosystem for people to get hired into and make that a longer term commitment as opposed to just volunteering and seeing where it goes and hoping that there's that there is a carrot being dangled in front of you and hoping that you can you're the one to get it and outside of the army of volunteers that a lot of these startups have had. What were some of the challenges that you had in validating the job listings that you were going for? I know that you mentioned that like it was just kind of going for what was out there and making sure that there was something there on your website. But at the same time, you definitely had to vet those job postings because as you said, there's just people tossing out positions left and right on Twitter and Knowing what which ones were legitimate and which ones were just kind of like, "Oh yeah, we're just throwing this out there to try and make a quick buck. What was that like for you guys as you were wandering into what a job board looked like for eSports?
1: Yeah, it's a really good question. so if if you think about where I was coming, from, not really knowing too much in and uh, in, in, like intimately about the scene. It was a lot harder for me at the beginning to kind of spot the roles that might have been questionable, which is why it was so useful to still have Phil here and the other guys who've been involved in these sports since the early 2000s because it would just be a case of me kind of shooting a role in the Slack channel and being like, Does this look legit? Do you know anything about the people advertising it? And it's amazing how small the scene still is, especially when it's rolls on the kind of Call of Duty, CSGO side of things where our knowledge base is. It was pretty easy to get a read on whether we should be reposting a job or not. Um, But I definitely think in those early days, probably a lot more slipped through the net than should have done. And the way that we've always kind of dealt with that is to try and be as open and transparent as possible with the people who use the website to say that if you've got any reservations if you have a bad experience after applying for a job then please 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 get in touch like via dm live chat email we try and make ourselves as available as possible Um, so when people used to report issues with orgs back in the day we used to do our own like mini investigation ask other people that we knew had applied to the role to kind of verify that there was maybe some issues with the role because stuff used to happen like people would advertise full-time positions we would maybe not know any better and we would post them as full-time positions and then we would get used as commodos being well i just spent an hour interviewing with their ceo in inverted commas and it turned out at the end of the interview he was basically saying like you'll either be expected to invest in the org if you want to take the job or it's going to be unpaid for 90 days and then you might get a contract at the end of it so that was very very prevalent um 18 months ago but over time we've naturally blacklisted quite a few orgs quite a few people that we knew were behaving that way um, and kind of curated the jobs feed to where it is now where that still happens unfortunately we still get a few reports maybe one or two reports every month where something like that has happened but it's much less than it used to be and if you consider how many jobs we post a month now I mean we might even get towards 1,000 jobs this month, depending on how June finishes. When it's only 1 or 2 out of 1,000, that's a much better ratio than when it's 5 or 6 or 7 or 8 out of the 200 or 300 that we used to post back when I first started.
0: And that's definitely got to be a good feeling, knowing that you're dealing with 1 or 2 bad experiences and having to placate and like really take that customer service side to to heart and make that your main role. To now, it's like, it's a one-off type thing it's got to be a huge morale boost
1: sorry it does um it, it actually hurts and like we we do take it really really seriously and it's not kind of a there's a lot of companies out there these days i think who do a pretty good job of seeming like they care about their users or their customers but it's just typically very good marketing or it's the way that they present themselves where here genuinely we're a small team we all work in the office together every single day and when something bad does happen to one of the users in particular, especially when it's someone that we might have dealt with in the past and helped with their resume or cover letter, and then they go through a pretty bad slash traumatic experience because of the listing that we allowed to be posted on the website. It, it genuinely does upset, especially me and Cam, who kind of do the majority of the day-to-day work on Hitmarker, because ultimately it's our fault that it came through in the first place. Um, we do kind of understand that we can't vet orgs to the nth degree, you, have, you kind of have to give people a chance to show the true colours, I think. And unfortunately, that typically involves someone having to be a guinea pig and going through the bad experience that first time. But it, de- it definitely does hurt. It definitely hurts. You feel so bad for the people because these people are typically desperately looking to get into esports to especially get a paid role in esports that might pay for the family or might pay student debts. There's like real reasons why they want a paid role and the people promising a paid role. But then when it comes to the crunch after wasting time and asking for tasks and putting people through interviews and to finally get to the end of the process. And then be like, oh, well, the salary is this, like sometimes you get the salary up being like $200 a month, which nobody could realistically live off, or it might just be you'll be paid on commission. It it kills us because (laughs) it's, I don't know, it's just you kind of lose faith in a few people, but fortunately, it's just a small percentage of what's out there now.
0: Yeah, and actually, it's kind of a, a very meta way, you're interviewing the interviewers Like, and as much as you can think that you've vetted someone, a, a person or a company, it's up to them to show the behaviors that they are legitimate and that they are going to be someone worthwhile to work with. It's no different than hiring a person directly for a hit marker. Like, you, have, you, you might have a great interview, but then the behaviors down the road show that they're not. A great hire, or yeah, even just—it's funny. It's that you're you're interviewing the interviewers before they have a chance to uh, really prove themselves. So it's everyone's kind of in that same game.
1: Yeah, you've actually led me nicely into a funny story that I don't think I've told outside of these four walls before, and I'll do it without mentioning. But yeah, so even us as a jobs board who kind of deal with careers and hiring processes every day can still make mistakes when it comes to hiring people full time in esports. So it it was probably around this time last year, maybe a little bit earlier, we were kind of looking for a motion graphics designer slash creative person to add to the team because the people that we had already fulfilling those functions were kind of being spread a little bit too thin. Um, so we wanted to bolster that part of the team and to start producing motion graphics and doing like motion infographics the stuff that you see on our Twitter feed now um, so we put the job out there conducted a pretty thorough kind of hiring process didn't get too many applications because ultimately it was kind of a uh, remote from the UK role with a view to kind of moving up here in Newcastle and working with us in the office. So we're shooting in a pretty small pool there when it comes to esports. But anyway, kind of ended up with someone that we thought would be a good fit, had a decent-looking track record in esports, kind of had a nice portfolio. Um, there was a couple of red flags in the interview in terms of general personality. It sounded like there might have been a couple of issues there, but like we're five white Northern English men in this office we've all got our own quirks and foibles Uh, nobody's perfect so we were kind of happy to overlook that to give the guy a chance comes to the day when he's supposed to start which was like two months further down the line um, and it gets to 10 o'clock in the morning on the Monday when he's supposed to be signing in to work remotely and I'm sitting here with my kind of uh, introduction to working at the company, kind of ready to go. I've got all the documents and stuff ready laid out. I've got his initial tasks to do. Gets to 10.30, still no show. And I'm just thinking like, oh, that's not the greatest sign. So had the guy's phone number, dropped him a call. Um, and he's like... Oh hi, Rich. I'm just uh, doing my grocery shopping at the moment, and I'm like, <laughs> and I was like, you're supposed to be starting at ten o'clock this morning. I was like, I've got a full day of work ready to go. And He's like, oh, I'm sorry. I'll uh, I'll be back home in about an hour and a half, and I'll be ready to go then. So hung the phone call up. Everyone was sitting around the tables in the office and looked, and I was just like, yeah, we've made a mistake on this one. So we had to let that guy go very very quickly. But that was his way of starting a new job in esports.
0: But, I mean, at the same time, like, you you made the decision to hire him, but then at the first sign of distress, you made the call to fire him. Like, that is so much, like, I can only say that was a great job done. Because most companies that I've dealt with or have heard horror stories from other managers, even in other industries, they let that person go on for a long time. And then it just becomes toxic to the community and to your culture and your team. And that's damage that's really hard to repair. So kudos to you for hiring quickly and firing faster.
1: Yeah, but uh, I just didn't think there was any hope because there was no remorse there whatsoever. Wrong, and I mean, even now to this day, it might just be someone that is completely lacking in self awareness, but he still uses our platform. Um, and he's even come to us since then, like asking us to endorse him for roles and things like that. So ultimately, there's no help in some people, but uh, we had to make that decision quickly because although we had a desperate need to fill the role exactly what you said when you're in a small startup and we've been self-funded since the beginning uh, so we've never had a big budget and anyone that we hire has to bring a lot to the team really early um we've trained people on the job and they've become really valuable assets to the company but i think when it's an attitude problem like that and it's um it's just someone that doesn't care and it's like we were paying a full-time salary for him to work from home from he still got paid for the time that he put in we didn't just fire him without paying him but it was kind of like That was the biggest mistake we've made hiring. So it is possible, even when you think you know everything about hiring people and um, the esports community being let down a few times with decisions that we've made. But ultimately, companies will end up in that situation. And like you said, because possibly they've committed, they might have committed a lot of time. um, The guy that they hired might have already signed the contract. You kind of do have to try and make the best of it sometimes. And sometimes people just have the opinion or they want to give people chances which i think is fair enough and i commend them for doing it but yeah sometimes you just have to bite the bullet and know when someone's not going to be a good fit
0: exactly absolutely and for all the listeners that hearing this podcast down the road job tip number one show up on time for your first day that's all you got to do <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah especially when it's from home like i said the guy could have been in until 9 30 9 45 rolled over to his laptop, logged on, and everything would have been good. But no, So yeah, it happens. But ultimately, we don't hear too many stories like that. I think the majority of people who get hired through Hitmarker end up being really valuable assets to the companies that hire them because we're at a stage in esports now where even though we might post 1,000 jobs this month, we might get, I'm trying to think, we'll probably get t- over 10,000 applications sent through the platform. So for the typical role that gets posted, you'll still be looking at a competition of, nine other people if you apply for that role obviously that varies wildly like some roles don't get any applications based on location and then the popular roles can get over 500 applications sometimes but it's typically a very very competitive hiring process which means that when companies do get to the end of that process and they do hire somebody they end up with someone who's a really good fit and has all of the skills that they need for the role
0: Absolutely. Now you mentioned depending on location. What's some of the most extravagant or like surprising locations that you've seen for certain positions?
1: Yeah, it's a really cool question. So one thing we're interested in doing. Um, anyone who follows us on Twitter knows that we're obsessed with data, and that kind of speaks back to my life before. Coming into eSports, I was always working in uh, sports data, specifically with football and tennis and a few other sports. So I'm always like a big data guy, and I like to explain things with numbers rather than words or opinions. And we keep a close track on where jobs come from. So like this last week, funnily enough, we just hit the 50th company who was hiring in in eSports. And that was Lebanon, which I don't think anyone would expect an eSports job to be in Lebanon, but it was. And that was the 50th company to have hired, but... We've had stuff in. We we'll regularly get things in Singapore. There's things coming from Indonesia. There's lots of stuff in India. Vietnam is a surprisingly common place for esports jobs. Taiwan as well. And then in Europe, it might be surprising to hear where it isn't hiring for esports jobs. So you don't get anything in Norway as far as we would see. And I would always think of Norway as being like a highly technologically advanced country and society. Yeah. So. There's a real dearth of esports opportunities there, but by comparison, there's a lot of opportunities in Sweden, which seems to be a real hotspot due to CSGO mainly. But I definitely think Lebanon is probably the most exotic location posted posted a job from, certainly recently.
0: Yeah, uh, Norway surprises me. Like I, Just like you, I, I would have thought that they would have been more of a hub, but I, I feel the same way uh, about Seattle. I mean, with Amazon, with a high density of game developers, Showing up in this area, I would have thought esports would have been more prevalent, but Microsoft has little to no presence in Mm esports. Amazon, like they just laid off a number of workers in their game development aspect and um, Twitch is been growing with features here and there and they just acquired another social media platform to embed in twitch specifically for esports but like it's all technical side it's all the back end and other service providers it's not necessarily like developing esports or managing a league or um, even teams or anything so seattle and norway sound really surprising to me but vietnam and lebanon like I I almost see that as almost like a comparison to collegiate esports and how there's a few of those teams who are starting to pick up or some of those schools that are really starting to pick up their investment. But then you're getting like that second and third wave of colleges who are like, oh, someone else has already kind of paved the way and that this is an important thing moving into the kind of global economy and global competition. Mm -hmm. So now Lebanon and Vietnam and Taiwan are really starting to find their way into it and I mean for example a lot of the Chinese teams as well they're starting to find their way more into international competitions and visas are less of an issue especially from the major uh, bigger countries so Uh, maybe this is just a wave of the future of seeing where things are at. And one location I was surprised that you didn't mention was Brazil and other places in South America, just because that is a a booming aspect of game development right now.
1: Since we began, then Brazil has always been a fairly common... Of esports jobs, so maybe to us that's just not so surprising anymore. I think it's always been known that they've got a pretty good competitive gaming scene. Um, there's actually an excellent esports job account that isn't Hitmarker. Unfortunately, that focuses just on Brazilian and South American opportunities, which is at VagasBr. Vagas, v a g g a s b r. So, if you've got any listeners who speak Portuguese or are looking for opportunities in South America, then that is a very very good account to follow. So, even Brazil has its own esports job account. Um, but the other South American countries you don't see so much from. Uh, so there's not much in Argentina in terms of esports jobs or Colombia. We don't get much. But oftentimes we put some of that down to the language barrier. So typically we can only go and get what we can understand. So we'll go and grab English language roles. Um, very occasionally I might grab a German or French rule if I'm confident enough in Google Translate and my limited memory of french and german from school but yeah i think the language barrier can be a problem so we've got the english-speaking countries pretty well covered and all of those european slash other countries who have english as kind of a second language well covered but i do think there's a lot more to come in terms of diversity in terms of countries hiring um interestingly enough your point on collegiate esports like another thing we like to keep an eye on is which states in the u.s are hiring and uh, we just posted a map out on social media last week showing like all of the states that have been actively hiring in esports with a specific count of how many jobs have been available there. And at the turn of the year, there were eight states in the US who never advertised an esports job. But since 2019, four of those states have kind of joined the party now. So um, we've had a few roles in Alaska, if you can believe it. And that's been thanks to Collegiate Esports, so the University of Alaska and the uh, Uh, campus in Anchorage if each has part-time esports coaching opportunities there for exactly the reason that you state I think the universities are starting to see that esports programs are a good source of revenue not to be too cynical about it but ultimately that's what drives movement everywhere so I think we'll just see more and more colleges hopping on that bandwagon and starting to either set up esports clubs within the campus or actually start to hire esports coaches and have competitive teams who Compete at a collegiate level.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I do not question your cynicism for the revenue because it's absolutely that. I mean, the I think the the faculty at the highest levels definitely have that mindset. Teachers, I want to believe, are more altruistic through and through, regardless of level of teaching. Um, and a lot of the faculty I've interviewed for the podcast, they are very much. Students first, community first, and so that at least gives me a little bit of warmth to fight that cynicism for sure.
1: Well, the good thing is, I mean, as long as these boys making money for college, the good thing from our our perspective is that there are good jobs available. But one thing that I would flag as a major concern, certainly if just mine, not speaking on behalf of the company, is that. I look at some of these part-time head coach roles that like get posted and the job descriptions contained within, and they're asking for someone with coaching ability, but they also need that person to market the esports team to kind of run the social media accounts, do all the budget for the program, um, run teams across multiple games, kind of maybe not understanding that coaches tend to have specialities in a certain game or title or certainly in a certain type of game. Like it might, you might be a fighting game guru or you might be a FPS guru. Um, And some of these colleges are asking for people who know Overwatch, League of Legends and maybe like Call of Duty or Rocket League or something else. Um, I don't know who they're filling those roles with because I don't know people like that actually exist. But that's maybe a concern. I would say esports is coming into colleges, but maybe they aren't giving it the budget that it deserves or building the infrastructure that it deserves just yet um i think anybody who's looked at an esports head coach role on our platform um certainly if you take kind of part-time coaching and go and look at the roles that are available i don't know how anybody can do what they're asked to do in 10 or 20 hours in a week it seems impossible
0: yeah no a lot of those support roles and infrastructure roles end up being filled by students who are getting that experience kind of kinda of like what you said earlier, where if you can work somewhere for free and get that experience and learn something, that's a lot of what the students are doing because they're also running these things in their own image with only slight guidance by the university. Since there's no real governing body for esports, at least in the States, I know that there's a little more involvement with like the Ireland esports leagues and those instruction those organizations, but Like out here with collegiate, because the NCAA isn't involved, there's a lot more free form discussion about how these things are formed and how the clubs are run and everything. So some schools might have limitations on practice hours. Others are like, do whatever you want. We want nothing to do with you. You're a club. So it's all just student organized anyways. So a lot of those roles just end up being filled by students for the time being until the university really wants to take an active role in ownership of how much funding this thing gets.
1: Yeah, yeah, but the rules, like I said, that's definitely the case, but the rules advertise the official HR channels of the colleges and they have all the caveats attached in terms of you need that be, like in, in England, we call it like a CRB check, like a criminal background check, which is essential if you're ever working with minors or people who might be um, not 21, especially in the States as well. But I don't know if the roles are getting filled. So it's good to see that colleges are getting more and more involved. But I do think maybe some of them could be a little bit more realistic in the, what they expect out of somebody who's going to be the coach or the leader of the program. Exactly what you said. I think someone could get hired for the role, but then would definitely have to rely on some of the more serious and committed students who are involved in the esports side of it to help them out with social media or to kind of help them out with organizing events and running the community side of things. Because it's just a lot. I mean, you probably know from running the podcast, it's it, it's a lot of effort to do the functional thing that you have to do on a weekly basis to kind of have your content. But then there's all the elements around it, like managing the community that you build over time, managing the marketing element of it to get people to come and listen. It's, it's a big job for one person. Um, so imagine doing that as a head coach with an employment contract and being asked to do like weekly events or daily events and from scrims and practice schedules and stuff it's some of the stuff is just crazy
0: oh well balancing the fact that the students are student first and they have <laughs> anywhere between 2 and 6 hours of class uh, on a regular student but then you have those overachieving students who are working part time going to school 6 hours a day and then doing volunteer work and clubs and then doing esports as well it's so hard to be finding reliable workers when you have to have people being doing their doing their life and what they're actually there at the universities for.
1: In esports, I've never been involved in a community, even going back to when I was an intern in regular sport, where there's this much kind of dedication and appetite to succeed in the industry. There's just such a level of passion, which I think is kind of a bit cliche at this point, but for an outsider coming in 18 months ago, I was amazed at the stories I was hearing from people, the exact people that you've just described who were juggling, studying a serious degree like business um, at a university while working part-time to pay for tuition and rent or whatever, and then volunteering for an eSports org on the side. <laughs> uh, and you see, we see people on our feed every day who are just working 14, 16, 18-hour days, which I don't know how long I could do that for. At 32 years of age, I don't think I could last very long doing it. But the commitment level is something to be applauded. But at the other side, I think it also points to how young the industry still is. It's like, really, people shouldn't be getting spread that thin to kind of make a career out of what they actually love to do.
0: 100% agree. And that appetite and that ferocity for making it real and finding a person's path into that industry it reminds me a lot of where the games industry was back in 2000 where you had this at least in the states there were a lot there were a lot of colleges starting to roll out video game industry art and video game design programs and but the. The instructors hadn't actually made a game before. They might have just been familiar with the Unreal Engine then, or whatever uh, technologies were going into making games or methodologies, but they never actually were part of the industry. So there wasn't a whole level of credibility behind those programs, but it was preaching towards the appetite that was there for proving someone could join that industry. Because a lot of the, I mean, the, the basis I started my podcast off of was that. I got the question a lot, how do I get started in the industry? And it's mm-hmm. like, well, for me, it's different because the road from QA to production or QA to design, I don't think is really out there as much anymore as it was back then. So now with esports, we're seeing how can I volunteer? How can I get my foot in the door? How do I get involved with that industry? And right now, or over the past 18 months, there's been it's gone from volunteer to actually this is a credible job and your your utility your work and your your team are doing a lot to validate the experience and the growth and that hunger for getting in so it's again you guys have kind of found that right wave to be riding in on
1: yeah it's all been about survival for us so it's well and good having a good idea that might be a couple of years too ultimately we've had to fund the jobs because it's, it's been loss making if you think about the amount of hours put into it since I came in particular it's like we work seven days a week I think we took Christmas day off this year but every other day we worked Um, it's a huge time drain and like I said we're paying full-time salaries we don't pay big salaries yet hopefully we can in the future but everyone gets paid a full-time salary and we've only been able to do that because we've kind of had another business line that's run alongside which has kind of funded everything up to this point so I do think a lot of people have a lot of great ideas for esports startups but unless they have prior funding or they might have made money elsewhere which is unlikely for the majority of people who are interested in esports because of their age and things like that it's Difficult to see how many startups can really get off the ground at this stage still, unless they are funded or have some way of paying the bills month to month. Because it's not easy; it's not an easy thing to monetize from any element. You mentioned the franchising, and that that's kind of where people have pinned their hopes on the industry monetizing moving forward. There's no guarantee that that's going to work. Obviously, there's been a few promising signs, and then a few things that don't look so great for that model. Um, but Call of Duty are going to dive in next year and we'll see how it goes with them but outside of that and the viewership and monetizing ad space on twitch streams etc etc and prize money so we don't see too many companies still on the periphery of esports who've built their own business model and who are generating kind of serious serious revenues because i do think everyone still has the question of there's definitely something very special here but it's very hard to understand how you can kind of monetize what's currently here um if you want a team i'm not really talking about the teams i'm talking more about service providers like us which is maybe why esports didn't have a job sport until a couple of years ago and it might be why some of the other kind of peripheral industries or sectors that you see around tech or around gaming now because i know the video gaming industry as a standalone is much much bigger than esports is currently in terms of jobs and opportunities and salaries um i still think it'll be a while before we get there based on we see it's definitely moving but it's maybe not moving fast enough at the moment
0: yeah i mean we're we're in that time of growth i mean if you think back to like 2011 league of legends was being played in a dark corner of like the basement floor <laughs> of one convention and that was the world championships back then and now it's sell, like filling up stadiums in china and korea and in the us and i mean that's the growth of eight years at this point so and eight years prior to that i mean it was hard to imagine that anyone was really even talking esports outside of people who were going to counter-strike tournaments or like quake quake 2 quake 3 kind of era tournaments where there might have been eight competitors um, or if you're watching starcraft in korea but like that was a phenomenon all on its own so the amount of growth is kind of just following the wave of games industry and It'll be interesting to see where we are eight years from now.
1: Definitely. Yeah. So, for us, kind of moving forward, I think we've done as much as we can in the esports side in terms of taking market share and developing how the service that we have, we've got a lot more work to do in terms of features and functionality that we'll build to extend the platform. I think next steps for us is to kind of maybe do a sideways step and to start posting more opportunities from the gaming realm rather than just the esports realm because we do have a big database of people who are looking to get a foot in the door somehow some way and maybe if there's nothing for them in esports immediately there might well be something where they can work on a game that they enjoy playing and that'll then put them in a good position in the future if one of the titles that they follow competitively starts offering more opportunities because you mentioned QA there in your past there something that you obviously Don't see really at all in eSports much. I think we only post maybe one or two QA-based roles every month for a game related to an eSports title. But we think if we can kind of take a sideways step in the game and we'll at least double the amount of opportunities that are available on the platform, and hopefully they'll still be kind of relevant enough to the audience that we've built that it'll give them more things to go after. But I do think you're totally right. It's probably going to follow a similar path to the path that the gaming industry has followed in terms of growth. Comparisons with traditional sports, I do kind of see them, the background come from as well. And in terms of the three things that we look at as a company, it's definitely traditional sport, specifically the US-based sports, um, video games and esports as three separate entities that over time, we hope we can kind of bring together as a trio of things that are all very closely linked. And I think we've seen that kind of with the NBA 2K League and stuff like that. You start to see legitimate franchises getting involved really seriously in esports and putting a lot of money in. Some of the 2K teams have been some of the most active hiring companies that we've had on the platform since that league was announced last year. So hopefully more of that comes.
0: Absolutely. If there is definitely one franchise and league and brand, to, I think, to follow, that's kind of tying those three those three groups together as you're starting to focus on. I think the NBA 2K League is definitely right there. You got games, you got management of esports, and now you've, you're starting to get into um I completely blanked on the third thing but you're starting to get those three groups together in one package and I think that that's yeah. starting to be an important aspect of esports development and I, even to a degree Riot is starting to do that with the collegiate side they're starting to take ownership of that governing body for collegiate legal legends so that's that's a different aspect of the same thing of like really tying it all together and having one owner which a lot of people have been asking for of having a serious single governing body now we're seeing it on a game-by-game basis but we're getting there
1: yeah definitely i think from what we've seen from 2k league it is impressive but a lot of those teams benefit from having that infrastructure place like a lot of the staff who work on the franchises in the in the nba seem to have some kind of level of responsibility on the esports side of things as well so uh, we had a conversation with one of the marketing guys from the 2k league itself and they're actually starting to sell in-game sponsorships to companies so that you can have your branding and logo on the advertising boards that show while people are watching the games on twitch you know just naturally embedded in the game which i think in terms of a long-term revenue model for and i know it's an easier sell when it's a sports game because it looks more natural and organic but That might be an interesting way in terms of how some other games can further monetize other than just having the revenue through um, adverts played between games or during breaks and tournaments, but actually having digital in-game advertising looks like a really promising route to revenue for a lot of teams and companies and franchises in the future.
0: Absolutely. And just from my game development experience, I can tell you that that's going to be a really cheap way for... Those industry, those companies to make an asset to support that requirement, but then they get a bigger deal out of it. They get a good cut out of it for the effort put into it
1: yeah it's it's like a perfect storm, isn't it? I mean, it's just the case of updating a few um files in the backend uploading to the cloud or the server or wherever wherever it's hosted, and then and you can make a game-specific, team-specific, I think there's a lot of cool stuff to be done. It's a much harder problem for other games, but I think the sort of map layouts in some of the games do lend themselves to that kind of advertising becoming a thing. And funnily enough, we have the conversations in the office. It's kind of like in CSGO, if you have certain points of the map where, say, there's a new map released, or in Call of Duty, if a new game comes out with new maps involved, the competitive teams always tend to have nicknames for the different parts of the map so they can make quick call-outs. And if someone was clever enough to advertise early enough and get one of those call-outs on a really popular map named after their brand or whatever poster or something that might be shown there, then there's a lot to be done. It's like the Lamborghini in the current Call of Duty. It's like Lambo Hill.
0: That's hilarious. I hadn't even thought about that. That's amazing.
1: Yeah, so I think that's a good kind of... And I don't think we would have any idea that that if we hadn't been in the position of being a job sport and kind of having that interaction with the 2K League and kind of looking at those guys on LinkedIn and seeing how they were using the assistant staff to support their eSports infrastructure while also hiring some eSports specialists to kind of augment that. I think sports transfers over to eSports very nicely um, if there's people within the organization that kind of understand how to approach it. So maybe we'll see more of that. Like, There's tons of work to be done on FIFA Uh, I think there's been more problems with this version of FIFA than there has been on any game in the past in terms of how it plays and how the pros have reacted to it. So there's tons of work to be done by EA there. But again, that that should be a huge ecosystem and we should be posting tons of FIFA-related jobs. But for whatever reason, they just haven't quite capitalised on that as a true esport that supports multiple levels of staff around the players and around the teams yet. Hopefully it does happen.
0: Absolutely. I'm excited to see FIFA take off. I'm more of a FIFA fan than I am like Madden or 2K. But I I mean, FIFA being, I mean, proper football being the biggest sport in the world, like I would have expected it to also be one of the most invested esports as well. So we'll see where that goes. You mentioned that there is some growth and some development in the future for Hitmarker with new features and everything. Um, I wanted, outside of adding more language support, I was wondering if you could maybe toss out some of, that, some of those goals in the near future and see what's going on for a hit marker job so people can pay attention to your growth going forward
1: yeah definitely so i'm one of these people that head stand and still if the, if a week goes by where we say like, i start getting very itchy feet because i do think that in this day and age, especially, people are so spoiled with the choice that they have in terms of platforms and apps and things that even games now like Fortnite paved the way in terms of at least how responsive and reactive a developer can be to support in a game, even if people don't necessarily agree with the decisions that they've made. I, I think people are still impressed by how much they've micromanaged that online experience and kept, kept it fresh by making new updates. We have to do the same because... Ultimately, we got to the front of the pack in terms of the esports jobs world, quite because the bar wasn't very high. But now we're really looking towards getting feature equivalency with the likes of Indeed and LinkedIn and ZipRecruiter, who are much, much, much bigger companies than we are with much bigger budgets and much bigger teams. But the good thing is that the jobs board world, the path has already been trodden and you can already see what works for those guys. So we can hopefully avoid a lot of the mistakes or a lot of the needless hours spent on. Useless functionality that they might have had, and we'll kind of benefit from their experience because even now, because we use LinkedIn and Indeed every day ourselves, you can see new little features that they release, and there's some really good stuff coming in the near future on those platforms. So, what we try and do is get ahead of our curve a bit and look towards okay, how can we develop something that Indeed are just about to release? Or maybe not at the same level, but something that might offer the users a similar kind of quality experience. So, an example of what we want to do in the near future is improve communication between candidates and companies that's like goal number one for me and it's something that i'm really harping on about a lot in the office the biggest frustration people have is applying for jobs and then just waiting and waiting and waiting and never ever hearing either positively or negatively whether your application was successful or not it's like it's torturous um i've never been in that position personally but i do haven't spoken to people who are i understand how frustrating it is so One of our missions over the next year, and especially if we kind of grow the team internally to be able to manage the development, is that we would love to bring internal messaging to the platform to make it very, very easy for a company to give immediate feedback to the candidate. It's something that ZipRecruiter do really well. So a thing that we'll launch soon is that you'll be able to see whether a company has actually looked at your application or not. So you'll get a little notification and some feedback there. But then we want to build an internal messaging program that companies could even just send like automated rejection messages like we'll create a template that they can use um but we'll encourage them to write personal ones um we want to introduce some feedback features so we could provide a pre-populated list of why someone's been rejected based on the most common things that we know are given as reasons and i think even just people having some kind of visibility into why they might not have been successful this one time could serve them well in their next application so it all comes back to trying to make it easier on the candidates to make it less of a punishing process to try and find a job in esports, but to also make it easier on the companies to give feedback because we just hired for a weekend role three months ago, had about 150 applications. I can't remember the exact number. And because of who we are, we <laughs> we had to run a really transparent and efficient hiring process in terms of Everyone who applied got a, a response as quickly as we could respond with feedback as to why they were, uh, weren't were being moved to the next stage. Um, then we had like a task and an interview, and we paid people for the time that they'd spent on the task. We then had three people who underwent trial days, so it was a very involved process. But it was done to kind of understand the pain points that a company might have. Like, best More. We don't have an HR department. Tons of the companies and teams that hire in esports don't have HR specialists. So you might get the general manager or somebody writing that job description. And it is a huge, huge time drain to try and reply to everybody who comes for your job. And I mean, that was just us offering a weekend rollout pretty shitty wages if you'll pardon the language but <laughs> imagine how many applications like a remote role for someone like desert who pay competitive salaries and have accessible remote roles for people who can write or produce video content or graphics um remote roles that you might find related to games they honestly get like hundreds upon hundreds of applications in If it was me or you, it took us in terms of man hours, two of us probably an entire week. So like between us, probably about 80 hours to go through that hiring process. People just don't have the time. So it's our responsibility to make it easier on the companies and to make it easier on the candidates. So that is the main thing we want to implement in the near future. But because everything we build is custom built, it it does take us a lot longer than I would like to get new features out there. And at the minute, we're just limited in terms of manpower. So currently, we're at a point where I think we've kind of proven the business model. We're at a point where we're starting to generate some nice revenue, maybe enough to kind of keep the lights on and pay the existing overheads that we've got. And that means that we're also in a position where we can feasibly go out to market and seek investment. So that's what's been going on since January of this year. We're kind of coming to the end of the road on the seed round of funding. So if if we can sign off on the amount that we hope for, percentage that we want to give away it should allow us to kind of double our team year on year for the next three to five years and with that the more developers that we have the more people who can take stuff off my place the faster we'll be able to re- uh, release new features yeah sorry that was very long-winded
0: no no apologies it, it necessary i mean that is a full complete answer and it is amazing to hear the level of growth that you're talking about and just how you're seeking parity with Big hitters like LinkedIn and Indeed and ZipRecruiter. I mean, that's it's not about being first; it's about being best. And if you're going through that process just for your own internal hire for a weekend position that wasn't necessarily like the highest priority hire that you have, that's putting your money where your mouth is. Of we want to make the hiring process as good as possible for everyone then you have to start with your own processes. And I think that's really self-aware as a a company, as well as the CEO of saying that these are our goals and being able to execute on that. I think that that's a good place to be and just the the right headset for supporting your goals. So, Hey, I look forward to seeing your growth. Um, And if you have any shout outs that you want to go, uh, go out and do, I would by all means take this time to do it, but I I'm, personally a huge fan of what you guys are doing and just uh, really impressed at the effort that it's shown over the last eighteen months and the fact that you're such a small team and that you're figuring it out as you go is hugely inspiring and I can't wait for more startups to get involved in the space. But feel free to throw out any shout outs that you might have.
1: Yeah. So I think hopefully people who are listening in kind of know a little bit about us or might have heard about all ask is that at least if you're ever Thinking you might be looking again to eSports or gaming further down the line just coming. We've got on offer. If you feel like your resume or cover letter isn't in a great place or you want to be prepared for when the time comes that you're ready, give us a shout. We do free cover letter resume audits for people and I think we've got a really good idea at this stage of what works in these esports and we're starting to get some very nice feedback from people who we have helped and who've ended up getting into really, really cool roles. Um, so we're happy to do that as long as we can. Um, so come and check us out on the website. Please drop us a follow on Twitter and just reach out on DM. DMs are open. We've got live chat. We've got email. We love of talking to people so anybody who wants to come and have a chat then we're always available
0: awesome rich thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me i really appreciate it and i look forward to hearing more about Marker developments in the future and if there's anything newsworthy that you want to share or boost the signal on you are welcome back anytime and I'm happy to just help out however I can.
1: Thanks Joe, it was a real pleasure talking to you. People have enjoyed
0: Absolutely, it was great talking to you too. I hope you enjoy the rest of your day and I've got to get mine started. Have a great one. You too, thanks again.